0: Howdy everybody, welcome to episode 14 of Business After Hours. My guest today was Mark Jarvis, better known as the Referrals Builder. Mark specialises in networking and relationship referral marketing. He's helped businesses generate millions in new business by leveraging the power of their network. I thoroughly enjoyed this. Mark is um, a very interesting guy, really, really um, intriguing topic about how to leverage referrals for your business. Um, so, we talked all about uh, how to get referrals, how to build a referral network, how to network, uh, the do's and don'ts of that. We also discovered um, good referrals versus, versus bad referrals, um, training your referral network. And it's an understatement to say I learned a lot from Mark today. So, without further ado, please enjoy. Hey, Mark. Thanks for being Hi, on the Liam. podcast.
1: My pleasure, lovely to be here. Thanks for having me.
0: Um, Thanks for making the trip over. So you've come all the way from Lincoln today.
1: I have, yes. I've got a passport, so that's okay. Yeah.
0: <laughs> Surely not a bad drive in the Beamer? No, absolutely nice not.
1: No, you just put it on autopilot and off it goes.
0: I, uh, I did spot that unusual key on the desk.
1: Absolutely, yes. That's... Like
0: something from Star Trek.
1: It is a little bit, so it's a remote control. So can you start, stop? Yeah, I can can park it out the window if you like. Really?
0: Yeah. You'll have to show me that. I'll show you that later. That (laughs) sounds cool. Um, So, Mark, you are um, the referral builder. Indeed. Now, I think I know what referrals mean. What in your mind is a referral for a business and why are they so important?
1: A very good question. Uh, And I think um, in my experience in the years I've been doing this, I found that The term referral is is an often overused term. And I think uh, certainly from my point of view, the way I teach businesses about how to get better referrals, uh, not just more, because more just makes you busy. Um, It's about understanding what a true referral is. And the point of a referral for me is to circumvent the normal things that get in the way of closing business, of converting a lead into a client. And the whole point of a referral for me is to is to bypass all of the normal things that happen in a business where we go through our normal sales process so our lead acquisition process and our conversion process and our objection handling process and all the normal things that happen in a business
0: so that could be the multiple meetings the calls proposals Re- reproposing after they've seen that sort of thing.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And I'm more than happy. And I hope we can, we've we got time to go into detail about why those things happen in businesses and, and how to get around those this evening. It would be great if we could do that.
0: Yeah. So, well, jump jump right in. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> what, why do most businesses have to go through that process?
1: Um, because they really don't know another way. So we've learnt as business owners, we've learnt the hard way. Um, And in fact, that's really got how I got to where I am today. You know, I um, briefly background in hotels for 22 years, decided to retrain, started my first business in the early 90s. Um, It started a design agency. The design agency went very well. And as you can imagine, um, as businesses grow, you will find that businesses go through four basic, basic cycles. You have a sort of a baby business where you're really running your own business and you're doing it on your own and you're doing all of the things that you do in your business. And as your business grows, you then start to get to the point where you outsource business, you outsource supply. So that looks like you perhaps have an accountant. Perhaps you have outsourced your nowadays digital marketing. (laughs) and Perhaps you've outsourced, um, perhaps you have a a sort of a, a virtual PA who does some of your administrative work. And so businesses get to that step then. Um, The third step then is then to say, well, okay, we need to start bringing some of these processes in-house. The challenge is that that costs money. So I often talk about the concept of the entrepreneur seesaw, uh, and I'm sure many of our listeners will have heard the similar sort of thing in the past, where the first entrepreneur seesaw is the difference, or when people are going through... The process of, okay, so I'm going, I need to market my business to acquire clients. And then I need to go and deliver the service or product that I have to those clients that I've just acquired. And then once they've delivered those products and services to the client, they then go and need to acquire some more clients. And then the cycle goes on. So they they bounce from acquiring new clients to delivering their product or service to acquiring new clients to delivering their product or service. So that's the first entrepreneur seesaw. And that's a time seesaw. And as a business owner, you're balancing that time seesaw. What how do you move on to the next level? Because once your week is full, your week is full. How do you grow your business? Well, then you start to have other people on board. You outsource your accounts, you get a virtual P.A. You have somebody doing your marketing for you, et cetera, et cetera. Um, The next step is to bring those product, bring those services in house. Uh, so you might have an in in-house admin. You might have in-house sales. You might have you might even bring your accounts in-house, who knows? But as I'm sure you're aware, that requires an investment in wages, in salary. So as we begin to have that commitment for salary, we then have to find enough clients to pay the salary. Mm -hmm. So the second seesaw is a profit seesaw where you're balancing between, okay, well, I can't grow my business until I get more clients. And I can't get more clients until I have people in-house to be able to deliver. So that the second seesaw is a profit seesaw. So coming back to the point of referrals, referrals in business save you time. So you don't have the first, the time seesaw that businesses have, get business, do business, get business, do business, you don't have that seesaw or as much of it. So referrals circumvent that because you're not spending your time on acquisition and you're not spending your time dealing with your normal sales process, which is mostly objection handling. The second one is the profit seesaw and as you're growing your business. You're now getting recommendations and referrals in-house, which circumvents all the difficulties that you have in, in closing cl- closing clients. So you can be more profitable much more quickly.
0: Okay, I'm with you. It makes so, sense. I'm just thinking back to when we started in business and the, how many seesaws or how long we were on the seesaw for. Um, so if a business wants to, so let's, let's go down the route of a new business. How does a new business get referrals?
1: Very good question, Liam. Um, For me, the age old adage of people by people is absolutely true and is one of those enduring um, truths, really, that I think, with the age of uh, the digital age, if you like, I think businesses or business owners have perhaps begun to lose sight of the fact that people do buy people. And I think even in the digital age, we now communicate the people buying things digitally. And we use the digital medium to put our brand and our persona across and our voice. And that's that's the new way of doing it. But the ultimately the purchase process still happens on a person to person basis. So for me, getting more referrals is about building relationships with people in your network. So one of the things that I um, help businesses with is helping them to use their own and existing network more effectively. So that might look like a used example of a new business. And I think that's a great, um, perhaps we could follow that, what that might look like in in the growth of a business, because I think that might be an interesting conversation. So as a business starts up, they're likely to to go to networking events. They're likely to attend a lot of networking events. And perhaps we can talk about networking events as well as as something else in in a minute. Um, But that is the first step to beginning the pipeline of your network, networking a business. So you can imagine that you go along to a networking event, you meet some people, you have conversations with those people, those people then become part of your network. Now one of the things that um, I see a lot of, and one of the things that I help businesses with, or individuals with, is getting past the um, the concept of selling in networking events, network- in networking environments. Yeah, I and think
0: <laughs> a lot of people seem to, um, I guess that struggle, because they, they know that they're there to sell, well they think they're there to sell, Um, so how, what was, what advice would you give people that are going to their first networking event?
1: Very good question. So for me, let's, let's remember that people buy people. (coughs) So I care more about you and what you do and how you behave and your values and beliefs than I do about what your business does. So if we, if we take that as, um, a fact until I know you, what you're all about, what you believe in, and your values, and your methodology, and the way that you work, I don't care what you do until I know how much you care. And that's a Roosevelt saying, goodness only knows how long ago that was. You know, I don't care how <laughs> much you know until I know how much you care. Uh, and that is absolutely true. You know, When we're thinking about attending a networking event and having a conversation at a networking event, I want to know about you and I want to know in what you what you believe in and I want to know your values and your beliefs and what you do when you're not working you know and if somebody asked me fairly recently what's the best ever networking question that you could ever ever ask uh, and I've, of course I've got one and that is what do you do when you're not working
0: what if the answer is working
1: Okay, Uh, there's always a way to work around that um, in my experience. But, you know, that's such a powerful question to ask, because what that does, it opens up a person's passion. Yeah, It opens up a person's passion for who they are and what they do and what they're about. And we talk about our hobbies and what we do when we're outside of work. And and every time I ask that question, there is always some sort of connection that is not work-related. So I had a lovely meeting with a lady yesterday and we were talking about horses. Now I don't have horses and horses are not my thing but I know people that do. So we could still have a caution, uh, conversation about horses. Um, I had a conversation at a Lincoln University event um, yesterday evening. Uh, very interesting guy who has um, developed a, a technology for pulse jet engines. Completely bizarre, random, but we were talking about motorcycles because I love, I love racing. And when you start to have conversations which are all about the person, their passion and their values come through. And then you remember that. You know, we as individuals, we remember those personal conversations that we have. And that's what we remember about people far more than we remember what they do in their business.
0: Yeah, great advice. Um, so would you, would you advise... So you're in a room, first networking event, and they might typically do the thing where they go around the room and everyone stands up and does their 60, 60 second intro. Um, once the kind of room opens up and people mingle, what's a good first step? Do you make a beeline for someone? Do you just kind of talk to the person closest to you? How, how do you work a room so that, obviously you want the networking to be effective? How do you not waste your time?
1: Okay, so most networking events have some sort of delegate list. Um, Or if it's perhaps a more open networking event, very often there is some sort of registration process on arrival. So I, I, I found that nine times out of 10, you've always got access to some sort of list of who's there. Uh, if it's a more structured networking event, typically people might be sitting around a table and they perhaps have done a brief introduction about themselves. So perhaps you've got a bit of a, a, a clue about who's in the room. Um, and yes, absolutely. Make, make a beeline for somebody who you think that you can help.
0: OK, so make a beeline for someone you can help, not that you want basically to give you some work.
1: Absolutely. Yes um there's a
0: just sorry to interrupt because that's normally the thing i see people will look at a delegate list and circle right okay that person potential client this person potential client oh i'd really like to work with that person so so you're saying don't do that if you want to use networking effectively
1: absolutely absolutely and that for me is one of the biggest mistakes that people make when they attend networking events um and most people who say that networking doesn't work have perhaps done it that way. Because networking does work, it's a great way to build your network. That's, you know, what it, it's what it says on the tin. Um, so for me, think about who who can you help in the room? If you've got a way that you can connect somebody with somebody else in your network, which might be mutually beneficial to them, that's a great way to start to build trust and credibility in your network. Don't forget, I don't care what you do, Till I know how much you care, and when so, I know, sorry.
0: So when you say till you know how much you care, how do you gauge that?
1: So if I've connected a couple of people, and I do this all the time, um, if I've connected a couple of people where there is some mutual benefit between those two people, I have gained some credibility in that relationship because I've helped two other people. Yep. They now feel more strongly drawn towards me so I have an I now have a higher level of trust with those two people when my trust has reached a certain point they begin to care about what I do professionally and they're not going to do that until they, they buy into us as an individual and why we care about what we do so I'm like most of it and many of us I'm not out there to create the next best sale that's not what I'm about um, I think it was um, a well known author it might be Warren Buffet and Please forgive me if if there's anybody listening that knows it's a different, different author. Uh, Help enough people get what they want and they will help you get what you want. Uh, Another famous quote, Um, and that's absolutely true. You know, these these um, truisms don't exist without some sort of backup. Um, So for me, building trust in your network is all about helping other people to get what they want. So. So I guess
0: you take a long-term view on referral building. Um, because I imagine that it would be very hard to do this well in two or three visits to a, a B&I group.
1: Absolutely. Yes, yes. Um, trust takes time. Typically, scary number, forgive me, 2,000 hours. 2,000 hours? 2,000 hours to build trust in a relationship. How have you worked that out? I picked a number and doubled it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, not really. Um, but research shows, you know, I've plenty of books and plenty of um, studies done. Um, I think the, num- the number originally came from Harvard Business School, actually. Uh, but 2,000 hours in a network to build trust. Now, with,
0: with an individual or with the group?
1: With an individual.
0: So two, you're saying 2,000 hours per person? Per person. Wow.
1: No, not one at a time. No.
0: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, you, you, so most networking lasts, what, two hours? Absolutely. So you're saying a hundred? No, a thousand. My maths is bad today. Not that's enough okay. coffee. A it's thousand time, of okay. events to what become like the guru level referral.
1: Okay, um, no. <laughs> <laughs> so bearing in mind that two thousand hours is invested in nurturing and building that relationship, you're not going to just do that at the event. Now, networking is not just about going to an event, going to events. It's not about ticking off as many events as you possibly can. Um, my favourite, um, I was accused recently of being the Goldilocks of networking, and I quite like it, actually. <laughs> so, uh, not too much, not too little, just the right amount, a bit like your porridge. Uh, and that's the key to networking. So you invest. That two thousand hours odd in relationship building, but you do all sorts of different things. Maybe you make a phone call. How are you? Haven't seen you for a couple of couple of days. How are you? What's going on? Perhaps you drop an email. Saw this, thought of you. All of those things count as ways to start to build the relationship that you have with people. So it's not two hours of two thousand hours of attending a networking event. It's all the little things that happen in the background.
0: Well. I'm going to look at it differently now, now you've given me that number, but uh, are there good networking events and bad networking events for this sort of thing, or is any networking event an opportunity?
1: It's a very good question, and my answer to that is no networking is bad networking. The key thing for me, another little secret, if you like, is... And this is one of the the things that I see a lot of business owners try to do is they try to fit their thing into a networking event, into the format and framework that that exists around that particular networking event. As we know, there are lots of different networking events, all with different frameworks, all with different processes and systems within them to make them work. And they're all designed to do slightly different things. The key thing for us as business owners is to choose the right ones to attend and keep doing those things. Find something that works and keep doing it. Another one of those late uh, truisms. Um, so for me, all networking is good. How we use it is down to us. So I suppose if you look at the gym, for example, you know, I can go to the, join the gym. Um, and I can say to myself, OK, I'm going to I'm going to join this gym to get fit, but I'm not going to go on any of the exercise equipment because I don't think it's the right thing for me. And I'm just going to do what I want to do and I don't care what you say. Now, clearly, that's not going to work if you join, join the gym and you want to get fit and you don't use any of the equipment. And I think networking is, is very similar. If you decide to go to a certain style of networking event, use that networking event in the way that it's been designed. Adapt what you do and the way that you talk and the messages that you have to fit with that networking event. And then it will work.
0: How many networking events do you go to on a monthly basis? On a
1: monthly basis. So I've done two today. Um, I would probably say eight or nine a month, I would say, probably. Is that excessive?
0: I mean, I I don't know how many the average entrepreneur business owner will go to eight so you, okay it's quite a lot of time dedicated to it yeah, yeah do you have do you kind of have a list of right that one is my I get loads of work from that I'll always go to it and these are the ones that I can kind of take or leave do you grade them in any way
1: good question um I choose to grade my networking events in how many people I can help, not by how many, how much business I can get from it. Because networking is not about selling, it's about working relationships to reach the people that your networking partners know. So okay,
0: but surely if you were at a, um, let's say a BNI event, and that had, maybe the people at the event haven't given you lots of work, but they've introduced you to lots of people who have. You'd attribute that to that Absolutely. You know, membership fee. It's a cost at the end of the day. And you'd Absolutely. be saying, right, okay, it's, I don't know, what's BNI nowadays?
1: Like, I don't know off the top of my head. £1,000 a year don't
0: or know. something. If you could say, right, I've made 30,000 from referrals from that group, so that's a really good quality one. But this other group, it's essentially, I've made what I've put in, it's broken even. At what point do you make the decision to say that networking group is not for me?
1: Okay, so the answer to that question is when the business moves then to the second level, where we're starting to talk about better business, not just more business. So the key thing with moving your networking, for me, moving your networking forward, is not about doing more networking, it's doing better networking. So perhaps it is being a little bit more selective about which events you go to, and using those events to help you leverage your network to get better business.
0: So, what's a um, so? How would you classify better business? Just better quality custom leads, essentially.
1: Yes, you can do. So, let's look at it in terms of referrals. So, just perhaps going back one or two steps, if you like, um, just to frame it for most people, uh, if I can. The term referral, as I said earlier on, it's an often overused term um, and people can see a referral as meaning closed business. Now it's really not. A referral is just an opportunity to open the door and have a conversation with somebody.
0: So when you say closed business, what do you mean?
1: Uh, invoiceable business. So the business oh. is done and dusted, you turn up and they pay your bill, okay. effectively. So
0: your definition of a referral is more open.
1: It's an opportunity to talk talk with somebody who has expressed an interest in your product or service and they have personally you've been personally recommended to that person.
0: So it could just be Actually, I have a good example. So we've recently picked up a, a really good uh, client project. We we met the finance director at an award ceremony he was on our table. And we got talking and uh, he ended up buying a, a a couple rounds of Jaeger bombs for everyone and uh we just connected on linkedin and then he randomly just said oh if you, if you wanted um the marketing manager's looking for xyz and it was it was that simple it wasn't you've got it it wasn't i'm putting you know giving you any praise because we haven't worked together we just kind of connected at this event would you that's a referral okay. in the simplest sense
1: um i would class that as a word of mouth introduction
0: okay so how is a referral different?
1: So a referral is where there's been an, there's been an op, there has been an expression of interest in your product or service. So from what you've described there, it sounds as though that's just an, a recognised opportunity where this individual said, okay, well, there's something perhaps that you two can do together. I don't quite know what it might be, but there's an opportunity to have a conversation. So that's a word of mouth or an introduction for me. Um, but where somebody is expecting some sort of conversation about the business, the product or service, that tends to be when we're in the referral.
0: Okay, I'm with you. Is there anything, is there, is there such thing as a bad referral?
1: Absolutely, absolutely. So if I might just um, frame it for, for us briefly, if you like. Um, for me, referrals that come into businesses in most cases, not all cases, but let's say. 8 or 9 out of 10 cases tend to exhibit three characteristics there's others but let's just say three for now firstly they tend to be for the product or service that the referrer put, bought okay so let's say a customer refers their supplier to one of their network now it tends to be for the same product or service that the that the that the individual bought themselves is that fair, generally? And I think we probably, or the audience will probably agree that that, in most cases, is true. However, we all know that in our businesses we do more than one thing. So why don't we get referrals for the other things that we do in our business? So that's one of the, one of the three things that gets in the way of referrals. The other, or the second one, if you like, is that the referral received. Generally speaking, not a blanket, um, not completely arbitrary, but most of the time I believe is true. The referrer tends to refer a business that is the same size as themselves or perhaps a little bit smaller. Does that make sense?
0: Yeah, and most businesses want the other, they want the... Precisely. OK, and- so there's another gap
1: for us. OK, OK, so that's the second gap. So we've said already the first gap is for the product or service that the referrer bought. The second gap is, well, OK, so this is a referral that's for a business that's about the same size as myself or a bit smaller. OK, now you're absolutely right. In most businesses will want a referral to a business that's bigger than that. Because surely that's the route to better business. And it is that is the route to better business. Perhaps it's a bigger piece of business. Perhaps it's a more profitable piece of business. Perhaps it might lead on to multiple opportunities for business. But the key thing there is this is where most referrals. You know have a bit of a hang up is that they are I call it the concept of referring down. So each time each time the referrer refers and that referrer refers and that referrer refers. It's either for the same size business or slightly smaller. So at some point, you're going to reach the bottom. So at some point, you're going to receive a referral for a startup. Now, there's nothing wrong with startups, and that's perfect. We all have to start somewhere, and I did in 92. Made lots of mistakes, trust me. Um, but that's that's a reality in life now in terms of businesses. When we talk about referrals, those are two of the things that happen. So how do you get referrals to go up? I'll come to that in a minute. Okay. Let me just, uh, if I might (laughs) just share the third one if I can. So the third challenge that exists um, is where the referral that comes in, the the person receiving, the business receiving the referral, generally speaking, again, nine times out of ten, still has to go through their normal sales process, even though it's a referral. They still have to go through the, let's have a conversation, let's let's have a let's have a meeting let's let's do a proposal let's have another meeting let's have another let's have another uh, phone call they still have to go through their umpteen hours of objection handling even though it was a referral now the whole point of referrals is it's supposed to go round all of those things it's supposed to circumvent all of that objection handling we said a little while ago it's supposed to refer up. It's supposed to refer you to big, bigger businesses so you can do better business. Okay. It's supposed to be referrals for the all of the things that we do in our business, not just the one thing that the referrer bought.
0: Because typically I would assume most of the sales um, programs and training courses out there, they all try and get you to put the any lead from any source into the same funnel and go down the same path um i guess for a number of different reasons so you're saying essentially circumvent the funnel and go well ideally straight to the conversion absolutely so how do you do that because if it's a referral they've been referred but they don't they may not know you as well yeah okay. um surely they do have some objection handling that you'd need to get in front of them with
1: okay so imagine if you didn't have to that be had it, <laughs> That's be why great. I'm interested. Yeah, okay, absolutely. Um, and you know, I talked at the beginning of this conversation, and you know, you very kindly introduced me as a referrals builder, and that's what I do. I teach people how to fill those gaps. I teach people how that they how they can use their network to refer up. I teach people how to refer so that they are pre-sold before a meeting, before an appointment. Or wouldn't it be great if we were all pre-sold? It would to make a life a lot less wouldn't stressful. But surely, isn't that the definition of a referral? Really, wouldn't it? Wouldn't we like it to be?
0: Well, I think um, your definition of it, yeah. But I think a lot of people think a referral is just simply, um, I don't know, you, 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 you just after a product, and someone says, "Oh, I saw an advert for that the other day." Go, you know, it's this. They don't. They may never bought it. They just kind of. Um, pointing someone in the right direction.
1: Yeah, and therein is the third one, isn't it? Really, where you still have to go through your standard sales yep. process and yep. objection handling challenges. I talked earlier on about the seesaws. Um, imagine if you didn't have to spend the hours and hours that you generally spend with objection handling, converting a prospect into a client. On average, is about six hours.
0: Normally, for normally speaking. Normally so, speaking. so what, what is the referral tactic, and what how, and what are you suggesting you bring that down to from six hours to?
1: Okay, so I have a, a little visual, and I'm, I'm sorry we can't do visuals on a podcast, <laughs> but if you can imagine, um, if you can imagine a pyramid shape, um, with a, the point at the top, okay, uh, and imagine the standard sales process looks like um, covering a period of about about eight hours now I appreciate some businesses probably have a longer process in terms of hours per conversion this is not in terms of days or anything like this it's just in terms of hours so research suggests that it's on average about eight hours of time from having a first conversation, as we've said already, to having an email, to having a phone call, to having a meeting, to doing a proposal, to following up with a phone call and an email, et cetera, et cetera. So that looks like about an eight hour process. And when we consider the traditional sales model starts with rapport building in a conversation, generally speaking, Mm -hmm. and we can say that on average, perhaps that takes 15 or 20 minutes to establish some sort of rapport with a prospect in a conversation. The next step is doing some sort of need analysis. So if you go into um, a well-known white goods retailer, shall we say, <laughs> others are available. Perhaps you go in there and they have a, they ask you, okay, so what size TV do you want? Do you want flat screen or do you want LCD or whatever? So there would be some sort of needs analysis. Um, for our colleagues in financial services, they have a very structured pr- way of, of dealing with need analysis for compliance purposes. So some people's need analysis process takes, but it's just a question and answer session where you establish what that client wants. So you could say that that perhaps takes 45 to 45 minutes to perhaps an hour. But you can see there's a bit of a gap going on there, can't you, Clearly, Because if the process takes around eight hours on average... Rapport building takes 15 minutes. Need analysis takes an hour. You've got six hours to fill somewhere. So what do you do there in that six hours? Well, it's objection handling, generally speaking, of some sort, you know, or oh, can you do it a bit cheaper? Why is it going to take that long? Can you just move that? What if we did that? Can we change that? All sorts of different things that pop up in conversations. Now, the whole point of a referral is to circumvent that because the person said, yes, I'm interested in this product or service, you then Are referred in when you have that meeting that person is almost ready to buy because you have been pre-sold by your referral partner wouldn't that be great it would (laughs) absolutely (laughs) of course it would you know and i think in business we would i hope our listeners can can recognize what that might look like in their business and imagine if you could do that in your business now i talked about the seesaws and I said the second one was a profit seesaw so imagine you were now spending you were, you 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 removed six hours of objection handling broadly speaking you know i'm I'm being uh, fairly superficial with this but fundamentally the 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 um, methodology is correct um, if you remove around six hours of objection handling from each client acquisition process that you have imagine how much spare time you've got imagine how much spare time you could then invest in the relationships that you have in your network. And that's what you do with that time that you, sp- that you save. So rather than spending six hours with each person, bearing in mind that each one of your potential referral partners can introduce you more than once. Yeah? Yep. So once you've got these referral partners trained, now that's the key thing. Um, it's training your network and your referral partners who you meet first at a networking event.
0: It's interesting that you use the word train. So can you explain how you would train someone who effectively doesn't work for you how to refer, I guess, better leads? How do you train them to do that?
1: So I, I guess the first question I would ask is why would they want to? Yeah. They want to because you have helped them. We talked earlier on about building trust and credibility in your network to a point where these people, they want to help you. And I think that's true in business. Um, You know, as as like-minded business professionals, we all really want to help each other. If only we knew how. So let's say I am ready and willing to help you grow your business and introduce you to your next best customer. Imagine I was in a position to do that. What stops me? One, I don't know how. So you need to train me in how to do that. But perhaps I don't know what your next best customer looks like. Okay. So the training is you teach your network what your next best customer looks like. So traditionally we call that target market.
0: Mm.
1: So we all in business have a target market most people define their target market by industry. I'm not sure, I'm not convinced that that's the best way of doing it because no. we still end up in drama if we do that. How would you do it? Okay. So I um so imagine uh, and this is a conversation I had with somebody fairly recently actually um who said that they would like to do business with anybody that we know in the building industry. Now I suppose if we go to networking events perhaps the more formal ones you often hear that this week i want to do business with anybody you know in the building industry perhaps you hear that or something similar to that um but you know what i know a really rubbish builder who never pays his invoices and sometimes is just completely full of drama would you like me to introduce you to that person well of course the answer is going to be no isn't it so For me, that's the easiest way of helping people to understand well, actually, you don't want to be introduced to anybody. You want to be introduced to the right people.
0: Mm. I do remember going to some events where anybody in X industry was uh, bandied around quite a lot. And I do remember, well, normally they would get lots of um, the little yellow or white slips. And I always remember thinking, that person's going to have a job now picking apart these and saying... Okay, probably should have been a bit more specific. So, how would you, is there a a better way to phrase it if you were to stand up and say, rather than anybody in the building industry, you'd say, well, would it just be as easy as saying, anyone in the building industry who has five or six staff and, you know, a solid business and pays their invoices on time?
1: Is it just that that easy? It is that easy. It absolutely is, Liam. Um, For me, target market is a values-based description, not an industry-based description. So you are describing the type of person that you want to work with. And the best thing about that is that those people exist in any industry. So that circumvents the, I want to do business with anybody. Actually, you want to do business with the right people. And those right people can be found in any industry. Perhaps not this builder that I was talking about, but (laughs) not that. Uh, but, but you get that, you perhaps get the idea. Yep. So, for me, defining target market, and as I teach my clients, is about helping them to define their target market by values and beliefs and vision and mission. When those two things are aligned, do you think that's going to lead to better business? Absolutely, it's going to lead to better business. And that's the whole point of this it's about better business, not more business. So, when you're out,
0: networking referral building trying to increase that network um is there a way or, or what is the best way to ask for a referral without it sounding like i'm aff- can you give me a handout okay because i think um uh, might not be so much in other countries but definitely in the uk the british don't seem to be very they don't like asking for help um So if they were in need of some work or they wanted to, uh, you know, move into a different sector, how should they phrase it in a certain way that will get a better response rather than just help me, I need work?
1: Okay. You'll find that when you have or when we have collect or, or built relationships to such a point where you have commonality of direction and you have. Um, I call it a referral partner status where you are both working together to help each other proactively and that's the difference rather it be reactively it's a proactive process because I am now at a point where I really want to help you because I know that you're doing the same for me and the key thing is this is a two-way process. So if I'm working hard to help somebody else grow their business, I know that they're doing exactly the same thing for me. So I have trained them in my target market, who I want to work with, what makes the ideal client for me, and how to introduce me. I've trained them, and they have trained me. But but they've probably got a lot on their plate,
0: busy business to run. Is is there any way you incentivise people to give you referrals? I've I've heard people talk about commission. Um, you know, they they introduce someone and they'll get a commission on the the job if it comes off that sort of thing. Is that something that's typical?
1: It happens. It does happen quite a lot. It is certainly a tactic that can be used. I personally don't believe that it has. Uh, it, it's never proven to work consistently in the long term for two reasons one um, for a reason i've already explained is that a referral at that level that's effectively been bought that referral still has to go through the normal business sales pipeline process of objection handling so you're not really elevating the chances of that client converting that prospect converting into a client any quicker than you would have done had you gained it yourself. You're not really doing that, mm. um, and also the one of the other things that's often um, overlooked is is the ultimate beneficiary of some sort of incentivization process. So I suppose a really good example might be um, imagine if you were um, a mortgage advisor, perhaps. Uh, Working with a local estate agent who, you know, they often outsource or have a panel of mortgage advisors. And the mortgage advisor offered some level of incentive to the estate agency for mortgage work. Let's say it's a financial incentive and the individuals imagine it's an estate agency practice with three or four or five or so people advisors in the office. There is a referral for a piece of mortgage work passed over to the mortgage advisor, and there is a financial reward given from the mortgage advisor back to the estate agency. Where does that financial reward go? The answer to the estate agency, not to the individual who actually did the, generated the referral in the first place. So for me, the chances of that particular individual estate agent doing it again are very limited because they've got no, there's no win for them personally in it. Yeah. So top tip, anybody's listening, buy them a bunch of flowers because it works a hundred times better. Well, that was going to be my next question.
0: <laughs> so if um, if there isn't a financial compensation or, or commission, if someone does refer you, you know, um, A, do you say thank you? And how and you know, what's the best way to thank someone that you found that shows you know that you really care and it's not just a kind of a superficial token that you, you haven't really put any thought into?
1: Yeah, so let's say imagine a place where we have a number of people around us that are referring us and we have a relationship with them at a level where we know everything about them, nearly everything about them, perhaps not the skeletons <laughs> in the closet, let's not say everything, but we know it, we know about them, we know where we know their holidays, we know their family, we know their partner or spouse's name, then they're the children, we know their ages, we know all of those things that are personal about that individual. Do you think we would be in a position to be able to thank that person with something that's relevant to them personally? Of course, the answer is going to be yes. And that is so much better than some sort of financial reward. So let's call it a thank you gift, not an incentive, which flips it round from. A a proactive uh, turns it much more into a proactive process. So for me, if you're going to do something like that, and of course you're going to say thank you to people, you might send them a card, you might send them a birthday gift, you might send them a hamper or a bunch of flowers, or if they're a wine drinker, send them a bottle of wine. And the key thing is, it's got to be personal, it's got to be relevant to them. Um, One of the key things here, I think, is uh, one of the interesting things with Christmas not being far away. No, I'm kidding. Um, (laughs) One of the interesting things is, you know, very often there's a there's a, um, a corporate business card thing that happens. So many businesses do that. Now, don't get me wrong, I'm not against corporate business cards. I think they're a great way to connect with your clients. But imagine you are uh, a, a business owner who receives a Christmas card which has on that Christmas card um, a picture of a family and something has happened with that person's in that person's life where it has impacted their family. So by sending them a card with a picture of a family on the front, actually that's not particularly relevant for them and could actually be quite hurtful. Um, so the point really is, when you are going to send a gift, even a card, if you're going to send a Christmas card, make sure that the picture on the Christmas card is is relevant to them. Um, So I personally am not a, we're not not a pet family, particularly. And you will know that there are lots of Christmas cards, for example, with pictures of pets on the front. Yeah, cats and dogs. Cats and and, dogs and in the snow and whatever else. And they're lovely pictures, don't get me wrong. We are not pet people.
0: So you put it straight in the bin?
1: No, no, of course (laughs) I don't put it in the bin. But it doesn't create a personal connection. It doesn't say that that person has thought about my or our personal situation enough to think about which card to send.
0: So um, are you into football?
1: Not particularly. Golf? No. Uh, Jet ski? Uh. Four wheels and an engine—the bigger, the better. Motorsport. I mean, there we go. I remember, yeah. There we go. So
0: if I, (laughs) so if I manage to get you like a a signed Guy Martin photo, I love you forever. Okay, so it's kind of, so you obviously have to know the person quite well to be able to do that. Have you ever used any tactics to find stuff out without directly asking them? yes okay what what
1: what kind of tactics have you used do you know what social media is fabulous isn't it yeah. really how can you not go on facebook not stalking people but these are people you're connected with can you find out some information on facebook absolutely do you know what as an employer that's part of our recruitment process isn't it really we look we look at a potential employee's facebook page and i'm sure you do liam um, maybe <laughs> uh, yes, perhaps not not tell everybody but but we do that don't we it's a natural process of assessing a relationship we go on somebody's linkedin profile we look at their history we do the same thing on facebook and instagram
0: The easiest thing in the world just google someone's name just google absolutely yeah, it comes up with all sorts of stuff
1: yeah in my case a betting shop but that's a different story altogether oh, really? <laughs> yes
0: one that you were connected to
1: no so I, i'm sure some person. of our listeners will recognize that there is a brand of betting shop out there called mark jarvis Oh, is there? There is. Very what? well known, So, shall we say, the Leicestershire area.
0: Oh, okay. I'm not into betting no. and gambling. There's one
1: in Sleaford as well, actually, and Newark.
0: So they might... Uh, do you ever get any scratch cards?
1: <laughs> no, I'm afraid not. No, no.
0: I have actually seen people do that. Um, send scratch cards. And I don't know whether that's a nice gift or almost a, a pointless gift because they are so you know, there's the chances of winning are so remote, it's almost a waste of your money, a waste of their time. Um so if you want to do personal gifts, great if you can find out the information. What if you really are struggling and this person's not giving anything away, you don't really know what they're into, they just or they could just be a really boring person. How do you what's your go to thank you gift?
1: Pick up the phone and say thank you. Okay. Simple as that. Because that shows you care, doesn't it? You you have taken time out of your day to make a personal phone call to say thank you. There isn't really anything that can beat that. Because time is the only thing that we can't actually make more of. We can make more money, but we can't make more time. So when we can give away time, give away what, our time to other people, that's the biggest gift we can ever give.
0: What was the best referral you ever got?
1: The best referral I ever got? Very good question. Um, I it was to a uh, it was actually to a coaching company. Um, and there was also a financial services practice actually, um, a well-known one. but to, yeah, to a coaching company um, who I have now worked with their coaches to help them generate more business themselves relationally because as you can imagine, coaches are always looking for more business. Um, so that's that was a really good opportunity, and I'm not gonna I'm not gonna give away any names, I'm afraid at this stage.
0: So how are you? How did you get in with them? Someone referred you? Absolutely,
1: in. yes, yes. Uh, a finance broker that I that I have in my close network had an opportunity to work with this um, this company um, and introduce me. Um, the process of the referral is very it's a very straightforward process. Uh, they know what sort of business I'm looking for. They pre-sell me because they know how to solution me to their prospects so they know what the problems are that I solve for them. Are you getting more business or getting better business? Um, So all I did really was to build a bit of rapport, just establish that I was the right solution for them and sign them up. And it is as simple as that. But you can't have that unless you have strong relationships in your network how do you or what is
0: the cadence at which you keep that close network are you keeping in touch with people on a monthly basis
1: yeah okay so we've all heard of the term crm system yep yeah um i believe most out there are ctm systems customer transaction management systems because they're just trying to upsell to people um but let's say we've got a true customer relationship management system and let's call it a, cus- a network relationship management system. So imagine you've got a process to continue to build and nurture those relationships over time with a series of tools and techniques that allow you to do that. Again, that's part of what I do. I have those tools and techniques and that's what I teach my clients.
0: What what tool do you use to to do that then? You, you mentioned a
1: CRM. Yeah,
0: yeah. Do you have one that you prefer?
1: Yeah, mine's called Excel. (laughs) (laughs) A good old spreadsheet. A good old spreadsheet, absolutely. Yeah, we've
0: got plenty of those going on. Um, Why a spreadsheet? Why not, like, I mean, there's thousands of CRMs now. Yeah. Why the traditional?
1: Simply because my referral partner network only requires five people. What? Five? Five people, absolutely. Any more than that, and I can't handle that amount of business. So let's let and I, I'll frame that for you just because I can see the expression <laughs> on your face. Um, so five people who refer me on average, three or four times a year each. So let's say that's 20 pieces of business, 20 introductions a year. And now that's
0: 20 pretty much guaranteed conversion.
1: Absolutely. So this is 20 pieces of business for exactly what I want. Okay. So let's say exactly what I want is a client who, who I am the perfect solution for. I am exactly what they need and they have the budget and the time to invest in that. How hard am I working? The answer is not that hard. Um, and not because I choose not to work hard, because I choose to work hard at the right things. And I have invested a lot of time and energy into these relationships. But that now means I have choice. And that's a really big part of how I talk about what I do to people who I meet for the first time. Because for me, it's about having choice. Most business owners don't have a choice about how hard they work.
0: Uh, No, I I would agree with that one. Yeah. Just uh, move the mic a little bit closer. Um, oh God, I'm in awe, really, that you just said you've got five people that refer you and you have pretty much 100% success rate with 20 pieces of work. That sounds ideal.
1: Absolutely. So why don't we do that as business owners now? And the answer is because we don't know how. Okay. Because, and Sorry to it. Um, what happens as a new business, and I know this because this is what I did, this is how I know these things now is because I did this when I first started my business in the early 90s I worked really hard and I I chased transactions and the next piece of business and the next piece of business and the next piece of business but because we think we we realize that that works so we think that that's the right way to do it because it works so we keep doing it we said find something that works and keep doing it well in this case get the next piece of business, do that, then get the next piece of business, then get the next piece of business, then get the next piece of business. The seesaw applies, but we employ people to balance the seesaw. All of that we've talked about already. Um, But people don't realise that all of the people that they've been interacting with over the months and years should be people that you're nurturing and building relationships with because those people will refer you. So I said earlier on that let's say customers and that's one of eight different referral sources there's seven others uh, let's say your customers refer you but imagine these customers now know all of the things that you do in your play in your business not just the one thing that they bought so when there's an opportunity for somebody that they meet in their network they now have an understanding of all the things that you do in your business so they're in a better position to refer you they're in they have a relationship at such a level where they just say, do you know what? You need to go talk to Liam. He'll sort you out. That person says, yeah, okay, I believe you. So you turn up, sign them up. That's it, job done. Again, a bit superficial, so I apologise for that. But the principle there is that that is what a true referral process looks like.
0: Yeah, I completely agree. I think most, looking back, most of our early work came from um, a lot of referrals from clients. So you talk about a referral network. For most businesses, is that predominantly their, their own customer base? That that's their referral network they put a lot of time and effort into, just obviously nurturing the relationship as a customer, but I guess trying to take it one step further and then get them to refer out, bring more clients in.
1: Yeah, absolutely.
0: So that was one of eight, you said?
1: It is one of eight. Absolutely. Am I giving away some trade secrets? Eight sounds like a lot. It is. I, a lot. If
0: you'd said list them out, I've struggled to, you know. Uh,
1: hey, fill there's a more hand. than eight. There's more than eight. We can, you know, they're, they're the obvious ones, let's be honest. You know, how about your supplier network? Okay. How many business owners can we honestly say? Ask yourself, people that are listening, um, how many of you guys receive referrals from your suppliers? Zero. Yeah,
0: not many. Why? Well, suppliers. Oh, good question. Suppliers don't typically. I don't know. It's a good question. I know Why it don't is. we ask suppliers? <laughs> yes, okay. There you go.
1: Top tip you for essentially. The, there you go. Yeah,
0: yeah, you're paying them for a service.
1: Hmm. I mean, there's there's the right way to do it. You know, perhaps we don't necessarily have time to this evening to get into the how and all all of these things. I my my learning. Uh, process the 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 topic strategies and tactics is about 45 hours of learning so there's a lot of stuff in there to learn okay that is a lot it is a lot absolutely it's less than 2000 though (laughs) (laughs) um but yeah so for me the the key thing to referrals is understanding that it's about nurturing that network um we talked about different you know we talk about supply network you've got your customer network and as you I think you're absolutely right in most people see their clients as their one and only network what about your social network not just online digital social network what about the network where you are social personally that's a network
0: yep yep my mum has tried to send me all sorts of leads which yeah. are usually wrong so I probably need to train her
1: There's the training part. Absolutely right, Liam. So you asked the question, why train? Well, that's the reason why train.
0: Yeah, I suppose you can uh, use a lot of time on the wrong sorts of um, referrals if you don't train people. Um, Just jumping back to you said about social network in terms of the digital social network. Have you found it's easier now to build and get referrals because of social media?
1: I'm going to jump straight to no. Oh, really? Yes. Why no? <laughs> I'm intrigued now. Because the, the digital platform for me, bear in mind people by people, okay? Um, the digital platform is a, is the latest way, the new way for us to connect with new people. Okay? So imagine, rather than going to a networking event... You use digital media as a first pro, a way to connect with people first, a first contact thing, if you like. Um, and there, you then begin to build your brand, doing all the social things, which obviously you know, laser red are experts in, of course. No plug there, of course. <laughs> but um, but yeah, absolutely right. So you, you build your persona, you build your brand on social media, you become the expert advocate, whatever it is, a voice that you decide to have on social media. But that still doesn't create referrals. It might create opportunities which are word of mouth introductions. But I hope perhaps what we've seen this evening is a different way to look at a referral. A referral is now something that is essentially ideally your, your ideal piece of business in your ideal market. And you've been personally recommended by a trusted partner. You can't do that on social media, mm. but social media is a fantastic tool to begin the process.
0: Okay. Which social media uh, are you are you using at the minute? Kind of more than others.
1: For me, LinkedIn's the the, the yeah. social the platform of the moment. Yeah. Um, it's got
0: really good, right? Like, LinkedIn just seems to
1: yeah work. I remember yeah.
0: using it. For five years ago and it was like kind of a desert you'd have a couple people that be on there regularly talking but now everyone seems to be on there posting sharing commenting there's a bit more of um a community and i really i don't know if you've seen um kate lister um one of our local business um celebrities I, i guess um she's organized it's kind of the reversal she's organized a get together for people who've Met on LinkedIn, but probably never met face to face, which I thought was a genius idea.
1: Yeah, the, uh, the LinkedIn local concept. Yeah, it's, it's really taken off nationally. Um, started in the southwest, I think Exeter, I think. I spoke to the founder at, about a year or so ago. Um, the one in Lincoln's been going a little while now. We've got the one in Grimsby starting now, which is fantastic. But they're just fabulous opportunities for just an opportunity. It's a, an activity in common, if you like. Uh but LinkedIn is definitely the, the, the platform of the moment. Twitter's I think not so much. Uh, I do post on Twitter but not that much. Instagram and Facebook. Uh, but again. you're on I think Instagram as well. I am on Instagram, yeah, absolutely. I've seen, yeah. I've
0: seen a lot more businesses and, and uh business people get on Instagram. Which is good. I I love it. Um and there's some really interesting people to follow on Instagram. Um and it's kind of easier to, to keep up to date then LinkedIn, there's quite a lot of noise to go through. I don't know about you, but I I spend a lot of time shifting through lots of posts and lots of sponsored things coming up um, to try and find something relevant to talk about. Yeah. Do you get involved in conversations on LinkedIn a lot? Um, Or are you more just an observer?
1: It's a bit like my Goldilocks principle. I do not too much, not not too little, (laughs) just the right amount.
0: What would you say is the right amount?
1: So I, I um, engage with probably around 20 people a week. On LinkedIn? On LinkedIn. Um, At some level in terms of having some sort of conversation. So, so, so like some, comments
0: or direct message?
1: Some people I connect with for the first time. So outbound connection requests, inbound connection responses, um, of which we all get lots, I'm sure. Um, but also my own posts. I do quite a lot of posts myself. You know, I'm pretty well known as a bit of a selfie chap. Um, in case you hadn't noticed, <laughs> we got ours before we the, got. We did that recording. Absolutely. We did that. Yeah, absolutely. you're
0: the only. You're the. You might be the only guest who's actually taken a selfie, like while I do the one for the show.
1: Selfie of a selfie. Yes, yes. you're the first person.
0: <laughs> uh, so, um, in, in okay, so. Quick question for you: If you engage with someone on social media, who you think might be someone you want to add in your referral network uh, into your kind of close circle, how do you go? How do you start that process? Okay, is it simple as hey, let's get coffee?
1: Yes, it is. Okay, simple, simple as that. Um, I, if I may suggest that that is not the question I ask first. Um, not everybody on LinkedIn is necessarily the right person for us to connect with. Not everybody on LinkedIn is, is necessarily the right person for us to work with what, at whatever level. So my question is, again, much like my networking, can I help this person? Can I in some way connect this person with somebody else in my network that might help them in some way. That's not when I say, can I help them? It's not, can I sell to them to help them? That's not what it's about because I don't yet know what their values are. So I can't decide whether I want to them to be a client or not. So the long answer to the short question, if you like, is that I engage with people. We have a phone call. If that phone call goes well and we we agree that there is some way that we might be able to help each other, then we meet for a coffee. We then explore ways that we can, that we can help each other. If there are a way to help each other, we talk about that. But it's an agreement to help each other equally. Um, at no point do those conversations ever talk about business in my mind. And in fact, I have a I have a, a P.S. on the bottom of my messages saying, "Please note this is not a sales call," and I hope you won't treat it as one either. <laughs> because people do yeah yeah because in my experience people have yet to learn that there is a better way
0: well not taught i was gonna say it's not taught but then that's (laughs) what you do how did you how did you get started in this i tripped over it okay
1: yeah i tripped over it you know um i said as i say i started my first business in 92 ish um design agency ran that, sold, it, sold the business in 2011. So had actually was running it for quite a while. So
0: can we pause there briefly? So why the jump from the hotel industry to a design agency? That seems like a big difference.
1: Yeah, very good question. Thank you for asking. Do you know what? I thought to myself, I don't want to be running around in the hotel industry when I'm 40. And trust me, I'm older than 40 now. <laughs> How
0: old were you when you left the hotel industry?
1: 34. Okay. 35-ish, mid-30s. And
0: you just set up a design agency.
1: So, yes. Uh, so, I sort of a background, uh, an interesting creative. So, my 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 brain is wired creatively. <laughs> I guess that uh, connects to my creative thinking as well, perhaps, as well. You know, different way of thinking. Um, so, yes, design agency, which I ran for 12 years or so, give or take. Wow.
0: Um, well, what size and, did that, you-
1: that's okay. and and That's so So, yeah, we did very well, but you know, like, when I look back, I now realise and this is how really I effectively got to my thinking now is that I I can recognise all the things that happened in the growth stages of my business, then that had somebody said, Do you know what, here's a bit of guidance for you, here's an idea, why don't you try it this way? Do you know what that would I can't imagine where that business would have been had I had that guidance and help then. Uh, and that's what drives me now to be honest is just being able to help people to say look do you know what try this think about the relational side of lead generation not just trace chase the next transaction because that's just hard work it just makes you busy you know um, so anyway so I, I did that you know we got uh, uh, sort of uh, two two young boys at the time grown up now taller than I am scary <laughs> um you know, two young boys and a mortgage, how I did it is beyond me. But I did um, retrain took me three years to retrain uh, business degree, etc. Um, at the same time is trying to grow this business with a few clients. And as you you know, you are sort of scratching around for the next client and the next client and the next client, and you accept any business because it's the right thing to do. And again, helps me recognize now that the next step is moving from the next piece of business to better business. And people don't know how to do that as i didn't
0: well i think that, that in the early days um you, you just accept anything that comes in the door if someone's willing to pay you it's kind of like yeah what do you want me to do yeah. uh just I'll, I'll do anything if you want me to come and wash your windows that's part of the contract i think um it's the fear mentality speaking to a lot of entrepreneurs and business owners, they're even successful ones. They just always say they're always fearful that tomorrow it's all gonna, you know, the the work will dry up, the orders will stop. Um, how did you did you get over that eventually? Or
1: yeah, just by accident, you know, you sort of trip over this thing, and luckily I was I was able to surround myself with some good people, um, and you don't realize how good they were until uh, until afterwards. Um, but it's interesting that you say that, you know, as businesses grow. Their, their fear of failure and fear of loss increases. And you, you wouldn't necessarily think that was the case, but in fact it does, because they have made a commitment to pay people's salary. They've made a commitment to, you know, if, if they've got shareholders, even more so, they've got commitment to do those sorts of things. So as, as a business owner, very often our fear of failure and our fear of loss increases. So we're less and less likely to innovate. Not take risks, but innovate. So we stick to the things that have always worked. Now we've got the advent of digital marketing. You know, people still, and I still come across businesses who insist on doing email marketing campaigns and then wonder why they don't get any business out of it. They insist on having an element of cold calling and wonder why they don't get any business out of it. Because that's not the way that people buy anymore. With the advent of digital medium, people look at engaging with a brand. And perhaps that's another podcast for another day, because <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's, a, that's, that's a, whole new, a whole new thing, absolutely, yes.
0: But you're right, um, I think there's there's a lot of, uh, we, again, another podcast, an, a, another big stint talking about the fears of business owners. Um, But when it, so just coming back to your business, so how big did you get the design agency to? In 12 years
1: yeah we had nine of us yeah so good it. size yeah good size yeah and what made you yeah. stop that realizing that so as as the business grew as you can imagine as the business owner you become less and less involved in what the business does so the delivery of the product yeah you become less involved in that and no i didn't go and play golf because <laughs> i'm not a golfist um But you become less and less involved in that and more and more involved in leadership and management and mentoring. And it's something that happens naturally in businesses. Um, But I think back, do you know what, if somebody told me how to do that two years earlier, wouldn't that be fantastic? But that's okay. So I found myself helping other businesses. You know, some new businesses that were coming into the market. And I'm saying, well, actually, you know, why don't you come, why don't you let me help you a little bit? So actually... I really enjoyed that aspect, that that opportunity to share what I'd learned in this case mostly the hard way, um, to help them, uh, which I guess is ultimately what's led me to what I do now. My goal was always to to impact. So I, I've always had a vision really for 2025, and I'm to be honest I'm going to smash past it, but. My vision was always to help and support and nurture a thousand businesses across the East Midlands. Um,
0: and wh- hold on. So when did you have this initial, when did that start?
1: So that started um, probably, probably around 2015, 2014, 2015. So in 10 years, a yeah. thousand businesses. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So we're well over 500 now, but um through, oh. diff- through the different things that I do. So okay. I've done a number of different things over the years and I've impacted and helped and nurtured lots of different businesses in doing different things that I do. So I do some work with student mentoring at the university. I do some startup business stuff, voluntary stuff, all sorts of different things that happen. Um, again, too many things to go into now. Um, but I found that I had a passion for that and a skill in doing it. Obviously, you've got to be good at doing these things, haven't you? Uh, and that's what drives me now. It's just being able to help and support businesses. If I can get those businesses to a half a billion turnover collectively, fabulous. Love that. Love that.
0: That's a one hell of a legacy.
1: Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. So we're upwards of 100 million now. So So it. when are you writing a book? Very good question. In fact, the <laughs> question somebody asked me today, actually, I was at a networking event in Grantham, one of the many networking events I've done today, Um a lady asked me today, "When am I going to write a book?" And actually, it is sort of festing around at the back of my mind. Um, How I'm going to fit it all into one book is beyond me, if I'm honest.
0: Multiple books. Well, it's I better. think there's
1: Yeah, absolutely that like, it might be a library of books. Perhaps yeah. I don't know. From from networking, you know, basic networking through to relational marketing strategy. Or, who knows? So edition one and edition two, and <laughs> what well, that's yeah. Why not? On. I mean, I don't know.
0: There's. Um... There's a raft of people doing books, which is great. I am a big advocate for... I wasn't, but I am now a big advocate for books. I used to hate reading. But I think it was because I was reading the wrong stuff. I was reading... Well, I was asked to read, you know, at school, typical things like Animal Farm. I was like, this is... I understand it now, but then I was like, this is just boring. But um, books that teach, I will devour. Um, So, yeah, if you write a book... Please let me know because I will. I'll be the first to buy a copy. Good. I think they're always that you can never have enough mm. um, information. To learn from people. Is there any books that you would recommend to people?
1: I, for me, I think there's two really. Um, if you're starting up in business or you're just beginning to develop your business, um, there's a book called The E Myth by Michael Gerber. Um, e We think, you know, I suppose I go to places, E stands for uh, (laughs) e-commerce. And you know what it isn't? It's the entrepreneurial myth. It's actually what it stands for. And that talks about how businesses move from being the doer in the business to being the owner and leader in a business and the journey that people go through um, in that development process. So as startups and new businesses, really good place to just cut your teeth on to understand that it's okay. to be the owner-manager and the doer is everything in the business, but it also teaches you how to move on to the next step. So that's a good good one.
0: Yeah, I've read it. It's good. Yeah. Uh, the yeah. new edition uh, is a bit long. It's got a few bits in it, but it's a fairly old book. He wrote mm. it, I think, maybe older than I am. Um, it was a long time, but a lot of it's really, really relevant today. Uh, it's like the in-the-on model. and Yeah, yeah. Um, and a tip for anyone who's looking to buy it, Amazon um, obviously sells a ton of books, but the best thing to do is don't buy it from Amazon. Go and look at the used um, thing. They, they, like the, You can buy the book used, but the condition of it is pretty much brand new. So you almost get a brand new book for... Normally, it's weird, The normally the way they do it is they sell it for a penny, but they charge six, seven quid postage. So you get a, a book that's normally 12, 15 quid for about half price. And every now and then you'll get one that comes through with some notes in it, and I had one that was uh, signed by the author, that, that I obviously opened up with. Oh, it's signed, obviously to someone else's name, like Judy or something. But I've got a signed copy of a book, cost me like a fiver. Wow. Yeah, I can't remember which book it was, but I was, you know, I was, it was a nice little
1: surprise. Um, any other books? Uh, I think probably the next. The one that I would suggest um, is a guy called Simon Sinek, S-I-N-E-K. It's called Start With Why, um, which is for me, was for me when I first read it, one of the key principles in turning what is traditionally transactional language in our business to a relational business. And it, it links back to what I said earlier on about people don't care what you know to the know how much you care. And the start with why concept is very much about explaining why you do what you do because people buy will buy why you do what you do before they buy what you do. So when you're networking, you talk about why you do what you do, your values and beliefs as we've been through already.
0: So are you suggesting you talk about your personal why or the company, the business why?
1: Personal. Okay. Absolutely. Because I'm going to buy you first.
0: What if you're not the owner of a business, you're the employee?
1: You still have a reason why you do that. Why you've chosen to be an employee in that business. But also don't forget my favorite networking question, what do you do when you're not working? If you want to connect with somebody, particularly again, a good example, if they are an employee, what are they gonna love talking about? What they do when they're not working. Yep. You know. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. If we talk we, we do have a lot of that in the office. Yeah. Yeah. But people love doing that. You know, and networking is about connecting with new people. Mm. Connecting with new people and then def- talking about whether there is a way that you might be able to help each other. Not do business, but find a way to help each other. And if you can, some of that might turn into business in the future. Great advice. That's what I'm here for.
0: <laughs> so, are you, um, do you do workshops? How, how do you train people? What's the typical method?
1: Okay, so I do, I appreciate we have perhaps only touched on a few points this evening. Um, and in order for people to get a bit of an idea about how this different way of thinking can be used in their business. I do a, a sort of a taster workshop, if you like, just so people can get the five basic fundamental principles of referral relational marketing. Um, and that's a really good starter. So it's just like a half day workshop. I normally do them for free, unless we hire a room, in which case we just share the cost. Um,
0: can you share the five principles?
1: I can. Have you got time? Yep. I can't solution them for you, but I can tell you what they are. So, um, so the first one is actually, it is actually defining what, uh, defining the terms of referrals, as we've talked briefly about today, um, defining what networking is. And then defining what referral marketing really is, because it's probably not what most people think. And we've alluded to a few things this evening. Um, another one is, is, I'm probably going to get to about six or seven by the time I've done this. but <laughs> um, the, the other one is defining and helping people to frame the different levels of relationship they have with people in their network. So we have uh, a, a, a term I call referral sources. So these are people that could pass you business, but mostly don't. Customers fit in there.
0: Okay. I, th- I think I've read, um, oh, they called it something like the cu- the customer ladder or the referral ladder or something like that. And higher up the ladder you go, you've got kind of... Okay. Yeah. So it's sort of similar to that. Similar sort of thing. So, okay.
1: you know, um, my, um, my perspective on things is coming from a position of having learnt lots of things from lots of other people. Putting it all into my head and stirring it around, and it comes out with a perspective that helps people. Yeah. So some of my content's not original, you know, whose is these days, really, if we're honest. But it's all about how we use that information. So you're absolutely right. So, so there real- is um there's a well known um uh, verb uh, visualization called the five steps of the referral process, which starts with trust. So again, another one of those five things. So we, with no trust, there's no no referrals. They're then Uh, The second step is a business knowledge step, Uh, so we need to have an understanding of what each other does at a basic level. We then need to know the third step is called need. Um, So we need to know how to identify a need. So a target market, let's call it target market, it's the same thing. Um, Interestingly, linking it back to a point I made earlier on, where I talked about needs analysis or defining a need in a prospect. When you have a referral partner, other people do your need analysis for you. So they pre-sell you, so you save your time. So that's the need part. The fourth one is solution, so they're able to solution you. And then the final step is appointment. Um, So you might be be surprised to hear that I have a shared Google diary on my phone where my referral partners make appointments for me.
0: They make appointments for you? Yes
1: because I'm pre-sold to such a level, where a prospect of mine is ready for that conversation. Wow. That's not an overnight process, as we (laughs) said earlier on. It (laughs) takes, how many hours did we say? 2,000? So it takes 2,000 hours to build your network to that point. But surely, well, for me, it's better business. It's the business that's right, you know, it's the right solution for my clients. So, surprising as it might might seem and often out of reach for a lot of people or perhaps they don't re- they don't recognize how they might get there trust me you can you just don't yet know how so, so that's just, one of them yeah. so just
0: coming back to that i i called it a ladder you called yeah, it yeah really it is
1: steps or steps. ladder or something it does so we
0: got so customer was kind of the they don't refer you very often what was the next one up?
1: okay So you then have um, a group of people in your network who you perhaps have had some sort of agreement to work with, sort of a a quid pro quo approach. You scratch my back, I'll scratch yours. But still mostly nothing happens, generally speaking. Perhaps a little bit more might happen, but mostly something, there isn't much that happens. Um, Then you have another layer in, third layer in if you like, Uh, And these are people who you have uh, are much closer to them. And, you know, a lot of personal information about these people, as we've been through already. Um, And there is a formal agreement to help each other in place. And you perhaps have something you perhaps assign an hour a week to say, do you know what? I've got an hour this week and I'm going to help three or four people around me to try and try try and help them in some way. Might be business, might be something else. Doesn't matter what it is, as long as it's some way to help and develop the relationship. And then the final one, the top of the pile, if you like, is the referral partner level. Now, the difference between all the other people and referral partner level is they've been trained. So they have a clear understanding of what your target market is, who the people are, what your ideal client looks like, how to create that opportunity for you. But not only have they been trained in what you're looking for as a, as, as a colleague, but also they've been trained in how to do referral marketing. So perhaps they've received some training from somebody like myself or ideally me. <laughs> um, but there's, there's training happened, but bear in mind that this is something that's an equal partnership. So both people are doing it for each other.
0: So you, uh, the five people in your referral network, you're kind of doing the same thing for them. Absolutely. I guess they've, the five are all very different businesses or are they quite similar? No, all different. Okay. Different industries. Different industries. So you spend time in your week dedicated to each one of those to try and find them more?
1: Absolutely. Okay. And they do it for me. Scary. It, what I When I talk to people about this the first time, their go-to reaction is I don't have time for that. <laughs> yep. That's their go-to place because most business owners don't know anything or not aware of anything that is going to make them less busy. Everything that's happened in their business has ultimately had to fit in with what they do on a daily basis. But what we're talking about here is actually changing what they do on a daily basis, not trying to shoehorn it into what they're already doing.
0: How how long is that process?
1: Didn't we say two thousand hours? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but to,
0: for how long was it for you to go from, well, I guess essentially no referral network to to five? Okay. Were you, uh, I guess, are quite secure? I mean, is five the magic number? Are you looking? To it is long? for me. Yeah. No,
1: no, it is for me. So, so as you can appreciate, my my role is as a teacher, mentor, and consultant. So my uh, I have my clients that I have around me when they are around me really they don't leave you know once once they you know once they start thinking about the way I think they they just want me around them which is great for me of course some people's businesses are i'm not going to say transactional because i don't want to use that word particularly but they are um, a a piece of business and then the business moves on The key there is actually continuing to nurture that relationship. So some people, let's let's say, if you have a if you have a business that you know it is driven by a piece of business, um, you might say, well, actually, I need eight or nine people around me. Maybe I need ten. My experience, anything above ten will bring you too much business when you've trained them.
0: That is a good problem to have. Absolutely. Um, I'm trying to think. So 10 really, really good referral partners that you're going to get work from. I'm trying to think in my head of who those 10 people would be. Yeah.
1: Difficult. Absolutely. So let's say that um, we don't yet know who those people are. So one of the key gaps, I've talked about the the typical three things that define referrals in most people's experience. And most people, when they go through this little taster workshop that I do, come out of that thinking, I don't know who my people are. I don't know where to find them. And I don't know how to build relationships with them. Well, that's the whole point. That's what the learning program is all about, is teaching people how to do those things. So that's the right outcome from that little workshop. But whether they get the the key from the workshop really is that they get the concepts. If they understand what a referral or relational lead generation strategy in their business could do for them, then perhaps there's an opportunity to talk about a way forward for them, if it's the right thing. So the key thing about the you, you know, you asked about how people engage. Well, the first step is to do something like that first, to see whether it's the right thing for you. Because it might not be.
0: And I guess the majority of service-based businesses, this would be perfect.
1: Yeah. What about transactional
0: product-based businesses?
1: Yeah. Um. So there, for me, is the key to better business. Because we as a business owner, let's say we've got a business that is a product-based business, where their clients, their customers, buy the product... And that's the end of the transaction, that's the end of, not the end of, you know, there's still obviously a customer service thing going on, but fundamentally, it's the end of the process. They can keep doing that. But that will only ever get them to the point where their week is full. Doing what they're doing. So they then have the opportunity to scale up their business, the seesaw, by getting more people to deliver more products. But there's a seesaw there in profits because you engage people and have to pay salary before turnover reaches salary etc but imagine if a person who was selling a product were to be introduced to somebody to to an outlet let's say shop where those products can be sold through that shop so one introduction to a shop to a retail outlet will then bring in lots of product sales Okay, so there we're talking about better business as a product-based business.
0: Okay. Yeah, that makes sense.
1: So there our networking and our training and our referral partners are not people who will generate more sales for us, but are people who will generate introductions to people who will generate more sales for us. Mm. How did you stumble upon all this? I tripped over it. Okay <laughs> no. someone did someone absolutely tell
0: you did you get trained by
1: someone? So I learned a lot of it um, just by experience. Um, however, I've also been involved in we've we mentioned BNI a few times. I've been involved in BNI I was been involved for, for over 10 years. Um, so I learned a lot of the stuff from being involved in um, a close contact referral marketing network program. Uh, which works very well so some of the stuff I picked up from there and have since enhanced and developed Um, there's also another uh, global program called Ascentive which is a global uh, referral marketing strategy training program as well so some of the techniques and um, strategies have come from there I said um, a few minutes ago that my skill is in bringing in lots of different perspective lots of different pieces of knowledge and putting them into a pot and turning that around into a perspective that's applicable for business owners. Um, you mentioned earlier on particularly that you know books are great for learning things. But you know what, I can learn lots of stuff. But if I don't know how to do it, if I don't know how to implement it in my business, there's not really an awful lot of point in me learning it. So one of the key things for me is not just learning it, but actually working with people to, to actually put it in their business and implement it. So there you go.
0: you've changed my outlook on referrals yeah um wow. i think before i was i was just uh probably under the impression most people are a referral is just someone who's introduced you to another person who potentially is looking for your services but um i'm gonna be thinking now for the next couple of days right okay who's the who's my close network and hmm because we do get really good referrals and we do thank people. But um, I don't know, when you're running a business, you think of the traditional uh, lead generation tactics. A lot for us, obviously a lot of digital marketing um, and we probably neglect the referral thing, um, which we won't be doing from now on. <laughs> so I'll be, I'll be reviewing that one with the, uh, with the team. Uh, absolutely fascinating. Um, thank you, Mark. I thoroughly enjoyed this one. I think I had a lot of questions. I've got a lot of uh, notes written down. Where can people find out more about you and what you, what you do if they want to get more training?
1: Sure, thank you. Um, so we mentioned these little taster workshops that I do. I try to run about one a month if I can. Um, just depends on what I'm doing and how often I choose to do them <laughs> and what the demand is um
0: and are they where do you do them up and down the country well or? i do
1: them um uh, i try to stay central midlands um simply because i don't need to travel any further than that uh so they tend to be around lincoln i have one on uh, one in newark um i'm actually doing one for the business hive on the 25th of september in grimsby uh, in grim uh scunthorpe scunthorpe okay. yeah yeah so i i bring them around to the locality if you like Um, So that's a good way to engage I deliver the knowledge uh, over in a three day learning program course if you like so those 45 hours we sort of compact into about 24 over three days and that's a bit like reading lots of books Uh, but it gives business owners the opportunity and the choice about what to do next so some people like to say well actually I've learned all of this stuff I'm quite capable of implementing it myself and that's okay. But some people like to say, well, actually, you know, I need I need you to be around so you can show me how to do this. So it gives people choice. Um, but I also do one-on-one coaching, consultancy. Uh, I do group master classes. Uh, we run communities as well. Uh, business like-minded business owners. So, for example, um, you might think of the people that you have around you. Perhaps we might look, it might look like we put them all in a room and we train them so i do that i'm actually just doing some work for a for a business in south wales actually who have identified the key people that they, they that this business wants to have around them and i'm going to go down there for 3 days and train them so
0: so hold on so that business in wales have identified who they want to use as their referral partners correct and they they are essentially putting on a training workshop I guess they're paying for it and they include the people they want there so it's almost like um well, the training sessions so they can then get get the benefit. Yeah. That's quite cool. So they
1: all they all then learn how what what referral marketing really is. Yeah,
0: yeah. And they I guess are all on the same page and they're all on the same page okay. they're,
1: so they're instantly referral partners for each other. Yeah. At a really high level
0: all right I mean that so there's some, more,
1: there's some more businesses I've impacted to reach my 1000 <laughs> yeah. so there we go yeah get that's through what a, it's about you
0: get through a lot that yeah. way
1: yeah and, and that's that's what I'm about um, is trying to spread what I've learned in some cases the hard way um, to try and help other business people be more successful and do better business not just more business because more is not better more is busy
0: yep so one last question before yeah. I let you go <laughs> When you do, when you reach your objective or if, when you reach your objective. Oh, what do you mean if, when, smash it, smash it. When you smash it in 2025, what are you going to do to celebrate?
1: Set a goal of another 500. <laughs> no, I, I tell you what, my gut, I, and I have thought about it and I'm really pleased you asked because I'm going to invite everybody to a knees up. Okay. All of those people going to get together. We'll perhaps go to um uh Big conference centre or something like that and just have a bit of a bit of an ease up. Imagine a thousand business people all in the same room, all like-minded, wanting to help each other. God, imagine where that could go. It's a lot of people. It is a lot of people. It's going to be a big bar tab. Well, I didn't say I was paying. It's <laughs> <laughs> a bring your own bottle. <laughs> yeah.
0: Um, it's been a pleasure. Thank you, Mark. Um, Absolutely. And I'm sure there's a couple of other topics we didn't talk about that we can probably do on another another episode but um yeah thank you very much
1: yeah my absolute pleasure liam it's been a pleasure to be here thank you so much for having me um you can always find me on linkedin um as as you know mark jarvis the referral builder you can find me on facebook and instagram and twitter um so please do look me up and if there's anything i can help anybody with please just ask fantastic thank you mark my pleasure thank you liam